way more sense to me if I got a Snapchat video of him literally having sex, being like, things I do for cookies. <laughs> Sam Adams Brewery, Harpoon Brewery, Aeronaut Brewery, my Uncle Donnie's Big Garage, the Departed Plymouth Rock, Jimmy's New Kids on the Block, Herb Chambers, Ernie Bach, Junior Cannabis, Lake Park, Quincy Market, Daniel Hall, Malcolm Butler cut the ball, JFK, blown away, he's also from Boston! We did fire! So today on the podcast, we have Anthony Zonfrelli, former uh, Tabor Seawolf, two-time Tabor captain for the wrestling team. We were teammates. I think your record was, I just looked it up, it was 136, 100 wins, 36 losses. Yeah, that's, that's about right. That's wild, man. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Class A champion, qualified for the national tournament all four years, head of school. Uh, would you play rugby at Harvard? I did, yeah. I, I played it for a year. Nice, dude. Um, yeah. So, so I, played, I played rugby my sophomore year, then walked on a wrestling team junior, senior year. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around. Um, so, yo, dude, I kind of just wanted to, like, reach out to you and people that are sort of in the creative field because um, I started a sports podcast a couple years ago, and it has been, like, a lot of, like, ups and downs for me because I, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't really go to school for any of this stuff, but it's sort of sports was a passion for, for myself, and I'm, I'm sure you too. Um, and when I stopped playing, I played rugby at UNH for a few years, when I stopped playing, like, I just sort of, like, I felt like I had, like, like more in me, but like, my body was at the point where I was just, like, like, you got, you can't, like, I have some, like, back injuries, some neck injuries and shit, so I thought that I would try to get into, like, uh, I don't know, sports comedy, and it's really, it's really challenging to do my, for myself, so I'm reaching out to, like, people like you and some other people that I went to high school with and stuff like that, and so you're a stand-up comic, right? Yeah. Stand up, sketch, improv. So how did you, uh, my first question for you is sort of just like walk me through your like creative like journey. Like how did you get from like being a rugby player to like, I kind of want to get into stand up comedy. Sure. Yeah. So let's see. I knew I always wanted to get into stand up, um, like since I was a kid, but playing sports every season, like there, you just have no time to do that. Yeah. Uh, so like I, I didn't have the opportunity to do that until late in college like i think my senior year of college was the first time i ever got on stage um i had always like written stuff tried to get on stage but never really like get the balls to do it uh senior year i had been roommates with the presidents of the the stand-up uh group at harvard for all four years and finally my senior year i was like you know what let's just let's just do the damn thing wrote a bunch of jokes got on stage loved it um like crushed my first time out it was great second time i got on stage was uh i decided to hop in at, a, at an open mic down the street where like actual comics perform it's not just a college show on your campus to your buddies got nothing just complete and utter bomb the the worst possible outcome uh just people staring at you drinking there's like a dance club in the back like barely paying attention uh and i knew that I, this it was something that I wanted to do because after both of those sets, my first thought was like, "Oh, I can't wait to get back on stage and do it again," even though they're for totally different reasons. Just like that urge was like, "Oh, that's that's a good sign." So, yo, man, like that's kind of cool. You had success your first time, but like, what was what did it feel like to just completely dive? Like, were you up there for five minutes, ten minutes? Like, that's got to be the longest yeah. five minutes of your life. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a five minute set uh, at an open mic. Uh, it's I remember I had a couple friends come to support me, and I just felt like I just like got off stage and was like apologizing to them. I was like, <laughs> so sorry you came. I'm sorry, I wasted your time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just like it's immediately humbling because you know you do you do stand up in the in the beginning and you you think way more of yourself than you have any right to uh or at least that's uh how i find it you know most often but i mean like you have to kind of love and appreciate the bomb early on you know because like otherwise the, like no one goes out and just crushes all the time every time so there's, there's stuff to be learned every single time you go out there. Oh, I agree. I was watching something on Dave Chappelle. I watched his, uh, he won the award. Uh, oh, why can't I?
I remember this off the top of my head right now. He won some comic award and he said the first time he ever went out, it, he killed it like you. And then times like two through nine were all bombs. And he just mm-hmm. like kind of kept going back and shit like that. And I remember the first time I ever, ever had a microphone in my hand, I was working in an admissions office and they asked me to travel back to Boston on like this two hour drive and like talk to people and entertain them and talk about school and things like that. Uh-huh. So they had me like stand up in the front of a moving bus with a microphone in my hand. And I like <sighs> thought I was like confident. I was so confident. I like said this joke, like, Oh yeah, I've been working here, you know, looking for jobs. If you guys got, and nobody laughed. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like the worst <laughs> fucking feeling in the world. But no, mm-hmm. man, it's like, it humbles you. And it's sort of like, it gives you sort of like a drive. I don't know. I've, you know. It does. Yeah. And like every bomb like adds to the chip on your shoulder that you almost need to have to do well. Yeah. You, know, like, you got it. Yeah. If, if you go into it, you know, like either, well, yeah, if you go into it, like needing that, needing their approval, as soon as they sense that you're done. Yeah. 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 Kind of just got to say, fuck it and go out there and try it out. Um, so I have a question for you. What made you, I know you said your roommates were the guys who are doing the comedy. What made you say, I think I want to give this a try. Like I'm going to take that first step because I think for a lot of people, one of the hardest things to do is to say like, okay, I'm going to go for this. Uh, it was, it was a lot of just time spent alone in my room writing stuff. Like, like the, like really, like it wasn't the first time getting on stage. That was the big deal. It was the first time that I sat down and dedicated myself to, to writing and producing something that I thought was worth, you know, other people hearing. Okay. You know, so it was just sitting down, writing jokes. Uh, the reason why I didn't, I didn't get on stage for, for, you know, three years uh, before my senior year was that I, I didn't feel like anything I wrote was worth it. <laughs> so my senior year, I just wrote stuff. And I was like, okay, this, I, these jokes, I believe are funny enough on paper. Anyone that says them, it'll be funny. And like, that was enough to get me on stage. So it kind of, you, you had been doing it for three years, but you didn't have the confidence to sort of take that next step. Mm-hmm. And finally, like you were like, college is about to be over. I'm just going to go for it. Like who cares at this point? Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel you. I feel like for me, it was, I had been playing sports up until the age like 24 and then I stopped and I was like, holy crap. I didn't realize how much sports meant to me to like as an outlet. And I think I started like watching a lot more sports on TV and I went towards, I I sort of gravitated towards some like other unhealthy outlets. And Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, I can't just like get drunk and watch TV at the bar for the rest of my life. You know, you gotta like do something creative and I remember I was listening to, um, you remember when, I know you're probably a big Barstool fan. They had the Barstool Van Talk on ESPN for like two, two shows before it got pulled. No, no. What was this? Okay. So they, they had, Barstool got a, uh, a TV show on ESPN for two weeks a couple of years ago <laughs> and then it was pulled, but they, they did an interview with Dan Patrick, who's like one of the biggest yeah. sports broadcasters in the country. And he was like, you know what, man, when I was younger, it was just me and my buddies and we thought we'd like talk sports and like do this thing. And like, I've just worked really hard from something that was a little fun project. And 25 years later, he's one of the top highest paid broadcasters in the world. And I think like at that moment I was like, dude, fuck it. Like who cares? Like mm-hmm. I should try this. I think if he could do it and if anyone, you know, if you have a passion for it, I'm going to go for it. So that was sort of like how I started doing this. And it's been like, you know, for me, two and a half years of, you know, I'm going to try to do the football stuff. I'm going to try to do a little mental, mental health and wellness. And it sort of hasn't really like been something I can consistently stay with. So, you know, through this quarantine, I've had a lot of time and I was like, it's been a month of me trying different shit. I was doing like TikToks and shit, which were like, so not funny. I'm so not a TikTok guy, but uh, I finally kind of kind of came up with the idea. Maybe if I do a podcast series and release it all at once, it'll take away a little, you know, pressure for me and shit like that. And yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just trying new shit, you know. But Dude, that's great, um, man. And honestly, I think that people coming from sports backgrounds have a tremendous leg up in pursuing things in the creative arts. Really? Um, yeah, just because of the amount of times you have to deal with failure or rejection or and things like that, and having to persevere through it just in a sports career, it translates like directly, you know, yeah. like, um, like think of times like you've tried out for varsity and, and didn't make it, or you got cut or, or you want to be the starter and you, and you don't get it. And it's just like having to out, like the, the only way to succeed in sports is to outwork your competition. And that's, 
it's a direct corollary. Like talent gets you so far, but I mean, actually putting the time in and working on it is like just the only thing you can do. And like comedy is sort of similar, man. When I, you know, a year ago, I spoke to a, a woman who was worked in the comic field. She was a, a full-time comedian, got paid to write every day. I spoke to her on the phone and she was like, I kind of, you know, she had this, uh, her whole thing was about like weed and her Instagram and, and Twitter was weed. I kind of thought it was like a little sarcastic, not, you know, nothing serious. When I talked to her, she was like, bro, I put in work every day. Like this isn't mm -hmm. like a fun little game that I just do. Like it's a lot of work. I write every day. I come up with new ideas. So it's, you got to kind of have that same approach. And that's what sort of like, I feel like stopped me a little bit is because I didn't realize how much work this shit was going to take. Yeah. No, the, success, the successful ones make it look like they're putting in no effort. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, you know, behind the scenes, there's, they're just grinding. Like watching Stephen A. Smith on first take, he makes that shit look so easy, dude. And I'm like, mm -hmm. holy crap, bro. The amount of like, I could, it's so hard to sit there and do a monologue. I was yeah. trying to do that by myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> dude, it's just so much preparation. It's so much practice. It's like just getting yourself into a muscle memory is, is so huge. Yeah, I was I was always like a math guy. Uh -huh. So like reading and writing was never like I never really I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big writer. And that's sort of like that's like the language with this. So this has been a little like extra hard for me. But I'm definitely like an analytics X's and O's guy. So I try to like approach this shit from that aspect. But yeah, no, um, I'm the same way. And I've I'm like starting to make the flip. Like I, yeah. I, I majored in economics and statistics like that was my my way through college well, those are most of my classes then i started taking like electives and kind of getting into it and then you know those are really the things that i look back on and help me in my like, creative field now i took a couple art classes i took things from like ceramics i took a drawing class i took a mm -hmm. um a class called intersectionality which you know all these crazy classes and they kind of one thing that was really important which i've learned is like we would always critique everybody's work and the teacher was always like yo man that's like this is one of the most important parts and hearing people talk about work and dissect art and shit and that mm. sort of helped me like access that part of my brain like the creative side you know what i mean like that's Dude, it wasn't it wasn't until it was literally not until college that i found out that like professional writers could be wrong ever like it, it never even crossed my mind like the first <laughs> like one of my first english classes we had to read read some article written like 10 years ago whatever write a paper on it and we got in the class and the professor's like okay so what parts of this argument suck and we're like oh what like yeah I, uh, yeah oh yeah you're right they're just people also putting in work that could suck too. Like you have that power to have, you know, your own opinion on something. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. It's, it's opinion, man. Sport writing is an opinion. These sports articles are opinion. When I was younger, I used to read some of this shit. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a fact. But it's like now I, as, as I'm 28 now, I can be like, nah, bro, this artist's full of shit or they're just doing this. Like this is their opinion. They're a New York fan. They, they want to like root for the Patriots to lose and shit like that. You know, yeah. there's like, you know, and I'm definitely not into politics whatsoever, but like <laughs> kind of that sort of goes hand to hand with that shit too. You for know? Sure, for sure. And like, that's kind mm -hmm. of how this is kind of how my analytics background has helped it too just being able to like sift through the bullshit because you can see like i mean anyone can write a puff piece on anyone or anything but if like they could just be spewing whatever needs to be said to make that argument if you can see through that then uh it, your argument's gonna be that much stronger and, and yeah. your content's gonna be that much better yeah, man. I like having like debates with people. I look back to like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I feel like at times I've been like less controversial with people and you kind of try to take the high road. But even like, I remember a couple, like a year or so ago, I had an argument with a family member about the Colin Kaepernick protests. Mm -hmm. And like, it's sort of, it got so heated in my family that like, like somebody like got up and like walked away from the table. And I was like, you know, that's my opinion versus your opinion. It doesn't make you right or me wrong and shit like that. But I think like controversy and like debate and like arguing, it's actually a really good thing. And not a lot of people know how to do that shit, to be honest. And yeah, no, for you know, real. It's for like real. a skill. Do you ever yeah, like talk sure. to like Leary or any of those guys, like any of the, the Tabor coaches or anything like that? Uh, I haven't in a long time. Like whenever, whenever I go back, uh, I obviously go and, and stop by and say hi, but I, I haven't been back since our, I think since our five year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while at this point. Did you ever meet Bozy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. Bozy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great. He was my wrestling coach at Tilton, actually. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a good dude, bro. Yeah.
I, I used to go back a lot more when my brother was still in school. So first half of college, I was always going back. Did he play football at, at uh, RPI? Uh, WPI. WPI. Okay. What's he doing these days? He played football and wrestled there. Wow. Now he lives out in Billings, Montana, uh, working for Exxon Mobil. I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, bro, that's Sick. like I, that area of the country, man, is so beautiful. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out like, yo, man, my goal with this, my long-term goal would be to, if I can somehow find a way to like sustain this lifestyle and make money off this, which mm-hmm. might take 10, 15, 20 years, like to just like travel the country and like live in that type of landscape and environments. It's so, yeah, it's, man. I just want to do like outdoor shit and like, you know, bike ride, canoe, hike, camp and stuff like that. I've been out mm-hmm. there a couple of times and it's so beautiful. Dude, that's going to be right up your alley to make oh, it out man. there. So let's see, I did, I did stand up senior year college, got out of it or graduated college and, and, and kept doing stand up in the city uh, locally. Um, started doing it like as much as I could. At the time I was still living in Carver, commuting up to Boston every day for work. Okay. And uh, trying to do shows whenever I could. Um, so I was, I was living with my parents, taking the bus in from like Kingston to Boston. It was like a two hour each way commute. Uh, whenever I had a show at night, I had to crash over a friend's place. Um, and so like in the beginning, I was only having shows like once or twice a month just because that was all I could get. Um, then it got to a point where I started having, uh, I started having shows or going to Mike's as like consistently as possible where I would <laughs> Monday mornings, I would strap on a big duffel bag, have my work bag, go on the bus, commute up to Boston, crash in my friend's dorms and just apartments in the city through Friday, do shows every night and commute back home. Cause that was the only way I could do it. So I was like, I was basically homeless for a year and just going back and living with my parents on weekends just so I could continue to do these shows. Damn. Um, so that was crazy. I did stand up for probably two or three years. I finally did a show at uh, this theater called Improv Boston. And there so, I saw my- So I'm sorry, man. You say you did shows for two or three, you did stand up for two or three years and then a show. Is there a difference between that? Like- oh, no, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. So I was doing stand up shows for okay. two or three years. And I did okay. one particular show at Improv Boston. Okay. And it was there that I started meeting people that were in the improv scene. Went to my first improv show. I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. Uh, and, you know, when you're doing stand-up, you try to find any edge that you can. And I'm not, you know, the best schmoozer. I'm not the best, you know, at going out and meeting people and, and getting in that way. So I'm like, I just need to, you know, get as good as I can, you know, like uh, through whatever means possible. And I figured, you know what, like, let's try to get, get good in all these different facets of my game, so to speak, right? So I started taking improv classes, uh, started doing improv shows with independent teams and just did like the skills necessary to be good in stand-up and improv are completely different. It's ass backwards. And so being able to get both of those sides uh, in my brain was such a big help. Like my, my stand-up took such a big leap after I started doing improv for a couple years, just being able to like translate those skills over that other stand-ups didn't have. Um, was huge and like I mean I I think it's the same with you know getting good at anything like if you can get good across the board I I think it helps so much like I think being good at different sports helps each one of the sports that you do like my wrestling helps me you know take face-offs in lacrosse like my my wrestling helped my football my football helped my lacrosse like it just like all the way around you know um look at look at people evaluating football rookies, like those that are, that are more dynamic on the field that have different skill sets, ones that play special teams and also, you know, can catch the ball, can also take handoffs. Like those are like highly valued. Um, so I figured, you know what, why not apply the same methodology to my comedy? Um, that's how I look at it too, bro. Is like, you got to go after this with like an athlete's mindset, like a keep coming sure. back. Like I did the, my first interview with somebody yesterday and I was fucking pumped, man. I was like, yeah, dude, I fucking did it and shit. And I was like, bro, like stay humble, stay hungry. Just yep. wake up tomorrow. I got another one was on for early in the afternoon. You haven't done shit yet. You haven't put anything out. Like you got to keep, yep. keep coming back, keep coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you got to survive that success, man. Like, yeah. 
That's yo. That's what Henry Large used to say. That's right. When that's we, right. our football coach survived success, he was that's the first right. person I ever said that. We were like zero and sixteen. I don't know what yeah. success he was talking <laughs> about, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you might get your first win, but like, if you, you know, celebrate after getting your first win, you're not going to get a second. So, like, nah, man, nah. Always be hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? What did I just write down? Oh, dude, I just think like wrestling, like as a sport, like you did it for like a, uh, you know, middle school and high school. I only did it for three years, but yeah. I'm so glad. Like basketball is my probably my favorite sport of all time, and I gave up basketball to come wrestle for three years in high school. I wish I did it when I was younger, man, because those wrestlers, the guys like you who compete at the high level are guys that have just been, it's like, it takes so much time and dedication. And like, I'm so glad that I even just had three years because it has mentally made me like so much stronger in life to be able to get, to get through shit because bro, not even the matches. Yes. And we, we had, there were some crazy matches at on the team, seeing you guys in like the fucking final tournaments and shit. That was like unbelievable to watch, but it makes those practices where Leary's pushing you and shit like that. Like that make, those were some of the toughest practices I've ever experienced. Yeah, man. And it's like, it's not a sport that you can just clock in and and do your time and check out. Like it, you, it has to be top of your mind every day. Like think of in terms of like cutting weight too, and like staying in shape throughout the season. It, It is it, it takes over your life that entire season. And it builds, it builds confidence, you know, like, yeah, you know, walking around, like if anyone's like, you could just fucking throw them on the ground, you know, even if For they're sure. bigger than you and shit. So, and, and the other thing is that it, it's, it, you know, it, it creates such a sense of like, like both pride and responsibility and that if you lose, you are the one that lost. You, you can't, can't blame yep. it on your teammates. It's all up to you. And, and if you win, likewise, it's like, oh, I put in this work and that's how I get to this point. You know, like that's how I achieve the successes. You can own that part too, which is great. I've had matches, bro, where I've lost the match and our team has lost that dual meet because of mm-hmm. me. And I've had matches where I'm the last one to go and the score, if I don't get this fucking pin, we're losing. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, bro, when you lose it for your team, it's like the worst feeling in the world. But for when sure. I remember, man, the first time I, I was the last person to go, right? We had our two strongest wrestlers go before me. Pavel, he went first, got the W. Chris Keeley went out there. I was like, all Keeley's got to do is win, and I'm good. Fucking dislocated <laughs> his shoulder. And I was like, holy oh, shit, bro. No. This guy, like, beat- you, man. Yeah. And I like, I got the pen, bro. And I got up, there's a photo and I was like, ah, it's like the best <laughs> feeling in the fucking world, man. And I miss so that. I miss that a lot. And like, that's kind of why I got back into like talking about sports and doing the podcast. Cause like, I still kind of have that like mental drive that mm-hmm. I want to do this stuff and like compete, in it, but I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, it takes a while. Like you've been doing yeah, comedy man. for a long time, but yeah, it's a journey. And, yeah. And like, that's kind of how I had to think about it in terms of, you know, and like with like for for improv example that was like a hard thing to navigate because with stand-up it's it's also you know it's not it's not as adversarial as as sports but you are like ultimately all stand-ups in the city are competing for the same stage time right so like there there is that kind of competitive aspect to a point um but with improv you have to make it you have to you have to be cast onto a team and then you all have to collaborate and and you know succeed as a unit uh but it's like the grind to get there is it takes just as much like mental fortitude to stay in it so do you have like so i'm not i don't know if this is true but like i see like freestyle rappers they always like i feel like they have shit prepared and shit like that do you kind of approach it like that like you have no no no, no. No, it's so different i mean like with stand-up yeah like you have bits for certain interactions oh yeah like in the chamber but no when, when with improv if you come in with anything that's not 100% 100% spontaneous and in the moment you're, you're gonna fail like it's okay. not like because anytime you try to shoehorn something in it's it just feels it, forced yeah um, and I think one of the I don't know, one of the common misconceptions I think is that you have to be like quick-witted and fast to do improv um, really it's just you have to be real and honest and like those are some of the biggest things that you can bring uh, just reacting like a normal human would and then learning to make choices that, you know, are the strongest that will lead to a successful scene, like that'll lead to comedy. And it's much more about just like 
it's much more about like you hear people like oh like listening is the number one thing but like that's it's a hundred percent true because all you have in an improv scene is what each other says and what each other does so like everything that happens on that stage in the moment is true that's the only rule you have so to come in with anything pre-prepared that doesn't directly you know depend on what's previously been said it comes out of left field and it's not as good it's interesting bro do you have any like so so which one do you think is more challenging improv or stand-up or they're so different um I think I'm at the point now where stand-up has become more challenging for me again. They're always like going back and forth based on whichever one I've been doing more often. Um, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I, so I, I, uh, I'm on a resident improv cast at Improv Boston now, um, or at least I was before the quarantine. And uh, I was at a point where I was doing improv probably four or five nights a week. So I didn't really oh, have man, time. Bro. Didn't really have time for, stand up and I've, it's been so long since I've done it that like if I were to go up to do stand up I would get the jitters again or like I would be fumbling over words again just because it's a totally different beast um, yeah I think it was it was either Pete Holmes or Kamel Nanjani both stand ups one, the, one of them said like stand up it's the only job you can forget how to do in two weeks like if, if you don't do it then you have to start from scratch and like, and like get back to where you were again like it, it takes that sort of muscle memory um yo let me ask you this yeah what are your do you have some short-term goals and some long-term goals with this yeah man it's it's hard because you know in in the climate right now so much is changing like the the future is so uncertain um you know like like short short short-term goals are always like the only goal i have is to just get whatever set I'm next doing to be as good as possible. And like, that's right. such like a short-sighted or it's, it's not a short-sighted, but it's such, it's such like a, 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 like a cram for the test kind of goal. Yeah, well, yeah. Like it's, it's such a near term goal, but I think it pays so it just pays dividends down the line. Like if you're, if you're constantly looking to make your next thing your best, then like by the, like, you know, fast forward 10 years, if you've actively been improving that whole time, then you're going to be at a much better place than if you were complacent at any point so what about um what about long-term goals um long-term goals i think i'm starting to to switch into something more like i want to get you know something written and recorded that that'll be that'll be good for distribution like um improv is great but like the future for improv is it's it's you know, it's, it's hard to get anything from it other than the building skills. Skill. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So like, that's the, that's what I do that for. So I, I view improv as like a much more near term thing. Um, the up is where, you know, you can actually have a career and, and, and do things like that. Like the, there are many more working standups than there are working improvisers. Right. Um, yeah. 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 But I think really it's gotta be switching over into more stand up and more sketch and, and more just recorded things. Um, and actually, I, I, I started to make this turn a couple of years ago um, when I was trying to break into the improv scene. It was just having a lot of trouble doing so, um, mostly because I sucked. Um, that was the, the, biggest, that's the, the biggest hurdle to overcome was getting good myself. Um, but I, I realized I was like, the only, like, there are ways to make opportunities for yourself. So at that point, I started... Uh, writing a one-man show and since then I've written two separate one-man shows and they're both they've both been like the most fulfilling things that I've done way more than you know getting casts on on improv casts or like crushing a stand-up set like the the one-man shows are, are have been things that like weird ideas that don't necessarily fit into a particular medium that you know is, is wildly consumable but with the one-man show that I complete control I was able to take whatever silly stupid ridiculous idea i had and and put it to paper write it out and and actually execute it in the show i'm sorry man i think the video just cut out real quick oh, what was the last thing you like, said any, anything anything that comes from your brain is what you should pursue like 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 even or, if you yeah organic yeah. shit that you think is funny just go with it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely because if you try to be like just like a, a 
like a replication of something else, then you're, you're not going to do it as enough justice um, to have it be successful. You know, like you have to do something that is funny that you find funny to your core and like trust that that'll work. Trust that it'll be something that resonates with other people. Have the confidence in yourself. That's yeah. a tough one, man. That's tough. That's what I'm struggling with, bro. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was going to ask you, man, for someone who has like, I got like stage fright, man. I've walked in a comedy. I've walked into stand-up places around where I work. I've talked to them. I was like, Hey, how do you, you know, get started with this stuff? Like what would be your advice to somebody who has stage fright, but wants to give this a try? Like, how do you get over that hurdle? I guess. Just doing it. Like, just do it. Do you just do it? Yeah. Like that's the only way. Sorry, my cat's. That's cool, bro. Right oh, I've uh, <laughs> seen your cat on Instagram, bro. That's such a good looking cat. Oh, thanks man. This is what's, Kylo. Kylo. What's, what kind yeah. of, what kind of cat is she? He, uh, he is uh, a, I don't know, just some kind of domestic short hair, dude. We adopted him dope, from, uh, from Alabama. Wow. That's so cool, man. <laughs> is he like behaving? Everything good with him? He's, Does he tear he's shit up? good. Yeah. I mean, he, he tears shit up like probably three hours a day and the rest of that he's perfect angel. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, uh, I got a, I got a rescue pit bull actually from Toronto and she's like the sweetest girl with us. But if you come <laughs> to our home unannounced, she's going to bite you. So you got to kind of <laughs> just watch your ass, but, Love that. um, bro. Yeah, man. Right, I've been like, about? Uh, oh yeah. Just overcoming like stage fright, I guess. Cause that's oh, where yeah, I'm yeah, at, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man, just, just doing it because like, uh, I feel, I think it was like Pat and Oswald told the story where it's like, I mean, what's, what's the, what's your biggest fear of happening? And it's, it's just bombing, right? So yeah. like after, after you've bombed and you've gone to bed and you woke up the next morning and you were still breathing and nothing really changed. You realize like, Oh, that's, that's the worst that can happen. That's it. Like, yes, no big deal. Yeah, dude. That's what totally, man. I feel like whatever your worst fear is, you got to find a way to just like get through that experience it, realize you're still alive. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot. It's hard for a lot of people, man. It's hard for me in certain things. Like there are some things I'm super confident at that are, that are no big deal. And then there are things that are like super easy for a lot of people that I can struggle with and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got a little joke book here, man. I got like, it's probably not as big as yours, but over the past like few months, I've been writing ones down. Yeah. And, and just like write those ideas out, try them on stage, find out what works. And if something doesn't work, whatever. Like keep pushing and pushing and pushing and refining and refining until you get to a point where, you know, I, you've got something that's. Yeah. How big know. is your, do you have a big joke book or. I have, I have several joke books and I have like a never ending notes, uh, you know, in my, my, my iPhone that I just, whenever I have a, uh, an idea, I write through and I probably use 10% of it. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's like, you just have to write all write all the bullshit know that a lot of it is going to be you know something that just struck you once and isn't actually that funny know that something is something you write is going to be what someone else has already done know that something you write is going to maybe in your heart of hearts be funny but if you can't find out how to communicate it you got to scrap it or just you know wait until you can figure out how to communicate it later um then every once in a while you'll find those gems yeah, the delivery is fucking, I'm learning is huge. The delivery is huge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's something that comes from just years of doing it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm still obviously working, like everyone's always working on it. And it's just like, it gets to a point where like, uh, like Chris Rock, Chris Rock is, has said that whenever he tries out jokes, he does it deadpan. Like for the first time he's trying out a joke, he does it deadpan. He doesn't use his particular cadence. Uh, he's like, when, he's like, when I try, when I'm trying out jokes, I just speak it. And then once I know that they're hard and good and, and, you know, worth putting into my act, then I can go on tour and I can sing it. And then it's, he just knows it's going to crush, but like, he's at the point where he can say anything in his cadence and people and find people it fucking laugh just how he speaks mm-hmm. and shit like that. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's really funny, man. Some of my favorite comedians are like, I love Dave. Sh- I grew up watching the Chappelle show, which mm-hmm. came out when I was like nine years old. So that like, yeah. I used to like stay up late and watch those shows. And I was like, I didn't get like half the jokes. I'm watching them like later on in life. And I'm like, Oh shit. You're okay. like, oh, that's who's talking about. Damn. That's what he's talking, talking about. <laughs> 
Um, I, I like watching like I like Robin Williams movies. I think his stand-ups are kind of like all over the place. Yeah, think, they're they're manic for sure. Yeah, 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 he's fucking. I think Steve Carell. He doesn't do stand-up, but I think Steve Carell is one of my favorite actors of all time. And he's uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey is one of my favorites. What about you? Do you have any favorite like comedians or actors or anything? I like have that? a I have a ton of favorites, and they're across the board. Um, uh, it's it's weird to think all my top like influences are, are so different like i love absolutely love the stand-up of uh pete holmes okay. who's on who's on one side of the spectrum he's just like happy-go-lucky silly goofy fun dad right and then my other like top <laughs> influence is probably like anthony jeselnik someone who's just like the you know the dark side of the spectrum who's just so like everything it is just so tight and and well rehearsed and and perfectly written that it's just like to you know i would love to be able to straddle both sides of that uh that spectrum um yo i have a question for you Mm -hmm. are there um are there any like crazy abstract ideas that you're afraid that you like want to try but you may be afraid to step into whether it's not like stand-up or maybe it's like Mm. acting or something else in the creative world or something like that that like yeah um there have been things that i would just say i that did scare me and i have tried uh so for instance my my first one-man show i uh did like a 25 minute sketch show where i didn't speak at all and that was like an abstract idea that i had uh largely inspired by like bo burnham and and acts like that where i could or like mr bean just like things like that i was like oh this is like a unique way to do comedy that not a lot of people are doing. Um, so can so you tell, so what was that like? You 25 minutes just moving around? Yeah. So there were a couple there. I, it was like three acts in the show. The first act was, I had like a, a flipboard kind of like reminiscent of like Dimitri Martin um, or like a, a flip chart and it had jokes written on it. Um, you know, the, the gag, the gag was that I, you know, I, I wrote out, start over the the conceit of the show was me dealing with social anxieties and so i thought that like having a show where i talked about that talked about that without actually saying words would be like kind of a a creative choice and so (laughs) the flip chart gag was me having a flip chart talking about me dealing with my social anxieties but the gag of it was uh in red Sharpie over my black Sharpie. It was as if my brother had found the cards. It was making fun of me throughout. So the whole time I'm showing this flip chart and they're just, I'm just the butt of every joke without knowing it. Okay. Um, so that was, that was the first, the first act. The second act was uh, a screen recording of my laptop and it was just showing, you know, me going through, um, you know, like Facebook on a daily basis. It had me like drafting notes to Tinder matches in Microsoft Word. Like it was just like all, like I, I figured all the m- most embarrassing things that happen on your laptop. I was like, oh, let's just share that. It had me like, like going on Facebook and like wishing happy birthday to like three of the four birthdays it was and just like skipping over someone. It had me like counting up how many likes I got on a post. There's like all the things that you do yourself that you, you don't necessarily, you know, show to others. Bro, I think that's so funny. You take like your embarrassing moments and you're like, I'm not going to hide those. I'm going to put them out to the world. And like, right. it's going to be comedy because people can empathize with that shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and totally like, like that. And even if you're exaggerating it, it's fine. But it's like, it's just coming from a real place that yeah. everyone's going to identify with. Like, maybe I didn't draft a note in Microsoft Word, but, I, like, you've been there. Like, maybe I drafted it in notes on my iPhone. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, People like genuine. People like authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm learning. That's sort of, like, the idea for me in the show is, like, I don't want to come out here and be like, well, Lone Wolf McQuaid Sports Podcast. You know? Like, right. I want to just, like, come out here and, like, okay, man, I'm trying to get into some real shit. I'm trying to connect with some real people that are – you know, inspired and trying to do some cool shit. And hopefully like people listening to this, somebody has a cool idea that they want to get into sports or art or music or, you know, computer design or whatever it is. And like, I'm going to take that step because for me personally, it's been really hard. So I'm reaching out Mm -hmm. to a lot of people that I think have had somewhat success, not necessarily professionally getting paid, but like, you know, have been, have been sticking through the adversity and things like that. So I thought you were like a perfect candidate for this shit, man. So I do really appreciate, you know, you taking the time to talk with me. For sure, man. Yeah. And thanks for, thanks for thinking of me for this. This has been like a blast to talk about. Yeah. Uh, No, we're not ending. We don't have to end right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, No, we're not ending. I got some more questions. Um, What did I just write down on my phone? 
that's my big cock joke. I'm going to save that one for another time. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Your act, man. Continue talking. Mm. Let's hear about like the third, what was the third act? So the, the third act of the show was definitely the most abstract thing. And it had been like, it, 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 it let's see, it started as like a tweet idea. I had like two years earlier that didn't get any traction. Then I tried to write it out as a stand-up bit. And the whole conceit of the idea was like, Oh, whenever I hear like certain sounds in songs like i have like the compulsion to react to it or like clap along with certain songs or like hit along to certain drum beats and so the idea was this this abstract scene where it was all it was basically me miming to a pre-recorded audio track that i had made where i get trapped in my own brain and i have to play along to all these certain songs and it just rapidly switches from song to song to song and me having the compulsion to play along to all of them uh, and it was like kind of it was definitely the most creative thing I've ever done. And it was something that I got to combine my improv skills with because, you know, in, in improv, you don't have any objects with you, of course. You know, you have to create everything just using your body, using your words. So I just, you know, I have the pre recorded audio track kind of narrating what's happening and suggesting what's happening. And then my actions kind of exploring a space to create a scene. And it it was definitely like the the most fulfilling piece of work I've ever done like that was the first thing that I did where I started getting people coming up to me after the show and like shaking my hand and be like oh that was really really cool and I was like oh this is something that like as I was making it I was like this might be just for me I have no idea that's so cool man and let me ask you this at what point in your from when you started to when that happened how long was that um let's see that was probably my fifth fourth or fifth year doing comedy and that was you had so wow that's kind of crazy that it was like four or five years and then you got that feeling of holy shit man people might like they like like this work yep so for i have a kind of a similar story i had so when i i got the idea to to do a sports podcast in october of 2017 so it was about two and a half Mm -hmm. years ago i had talked to some people about it and tried to put something together and bought some equipment i didn't record my first episode until august of the next year Mm -hmm. and it was like i did a I did a pilot episode at the Patriots Giants preseason tailgate. I had some friends come out. One of my buddies showed up. He was like blackout drunk. We were in the parking lot (laughs) drinking beers. I had this like joke where earlier that day, Aaron Rodgers had signed that big $80 million, that big huge contract. And then in the one year span, he got $80 million. And I was sitting there thinking like, wow, eight, imagine making $80 million and I'm a, I'm a stats guy. So I'm like, how much does he make per week? How much does he make per game? How much does he makes per hour? And I was like, I, I was teaching at the time. And I was like, I usually spend about one hour's worth of pay, about 16 bucks on my lunch every day. And I was like, where does Aaron Rodgers have to go out to eat to spend one hour's worth of pay, which was like $150,000. I was like, what kind of lunch is that? Does that come with like, like strippers? Does that come with diamonds? And the way I said it, like everyone started laughing so hard and it gave Mm -hmm. me this confidence, like, Oh shit. Like you might, maybe this, if you work hard, maybe this shit is for you. So I've had like a moment like that too. And it feels really good and you know i landed that one on my pilot episode but it took you i mean i'm sure you had some confidence before that but it's like yeah one of of the first one of my one of like a lot of the best jokes they ever wrote in stand-up were in my first act but it's just like you also don't have the chops to do it as perfectly as they could be it's like those those nuggets are also still growing you know yeah it's a work in progress but uh it's tough, man. Yeah. Again, like you, like you said earlier, you wrote for a couple of years and then you finally got the confidence to get up. And that was kind of like me. Like I took a whole year of thinking and planning and like, these are some topics. And then that's when I finally pulled the trigger. And you know, you've been doing this for like four times as long as me, but it's a lifestyle. And I'm trying to like, what I'm trying to do now is start now and continue this mm-hmm. for my whole life. And maybe I can find a way to make money off it someday, you know? Dude, that's that's the biggest thing is that so one of one of the best lessons I learned early on, I was talking to a guy named Chris Duffy, who who uh he's he's a stand up um he does a lot of great work in across different mediums. He's he had a show called You're the Expert, which was a, a podcast, and then I think I picked up by like oh god, I don't know, was it NPR? I don't know. He was picked up by some radio station and got broadcast. And what he told me, uh two things. The first thing was the only difference between a comedian 
and not a comedian is that you you just do it like the the there's no there's no barrier from being a comedian to not being a comedian like if you go to an open mic and you're doing jokes you're a comedian congrats like that's all it takes and like having that confidence is huge um whereas also you could be the funniest dude but if you're sitting at home and not actually getting out there guess what you're not a comedian yeah um the confidence to take that step. And like I said earlier, man, that's one of the hardest things for so many people. And that's what I hope some people who watch this can relate to. And like, okay, like I've had this idea for so long, I'm going to make that step because I know so many people who are like 10 times as funny as me. And I know so many people who know way more about sports than me are way more passionate sports fans. But like, I'm trying to like, just take the action and get out here and produce yeah. the contents. Right. And it was, it was tough reaching out to not only you, but everyone, it was like, took me a couple of days to really like, all right, man, we're going to do this. Yeah, man. And it's like, you know, how many people like, you know, I'll talk to at parties, they find out to do stand up. And I'm like, Oh, like I could totally be a comedian, but I just, you know, I don't have the time or I don't like, it's like scared to get up there. I'm like, well, guess what? Like, that's the only reason you're not a comedian. So just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you can be one like, great. Uh, the other biggest piece of advice that Chris Duffy gave me that day was um, just do shit on your own. Because if you're already doing thing, if you're already doing something and producing something, you have a much better chance of, of be, being successful. Um, like the only reason he got a radio show was because he was already just doing his own show. Um, it wasn't like he had this talent that was then, you know, somebody at a high up place was like, Oh, I recognize talent in you. I'm going to give you an opportunity based on nothing. It was like, no, you already have this show. We're just going to let you do your thing like through our, through our medium. So like the fact that you're just starting up a podcast and actually doing something like that's the biggest first step to make. Dude, I totally agree with you. It's about consistency and repetition. It's about mm -hmm. continuing, continuously doing it. Like, you know, a year ago I had a little bit of, I guess what you could call like a portfolio or some sort of like material to show people, yeah, yeah. but I really wasn't confident in myself. And I was able to get a couple interviews at some radio stations and some places. And I just, I, I was like, I don't feel confident because like I, my work isn't really that great. And, and the idea was like, dude, just, just, you don't have to be hired by Barstool Sports to do sports comedy. You know, you can mm -hmm. sit here in your apartment and do that shit your own. If you're funny, you do it long enough, somebody's going to pick you up, you know? There was a time where I was first starting to write and I was like, uh, I'm afraid to, like, it, I had this irrational fear of not wanting to write jokes because uh, I was afraid that, <laughs> like, once I wrote it, I would be done. Like, uh, I can't even explain to you like how irrational that is. Um, I think I, are you talking about like, if you say the joke, it's over and you're not going to be able to get it back almost kind of like, yeah. Like, and that's yeah. kind of how I felt. And I was like, Oh, like if I, you don't want to waste it. Yeah. Almost? Like, yes. That, that, that idea of not, not wanting to waste an idea instead of just putting it out there. Um, really threw me. And then there was a Maya Angelou quote that said, uh, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. And I was like, Oh, my God, Fuck yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, I and, totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and uh, the other thing that helped with that was doing improv where you go out, you do a show say you do a 30 minute set. Guess what? Like that's done. Like you, you can never use that again. You'll never see it again. And it's gone. And like just being okay with that, was a huge step for me mentally. Um, huh. Interesting. So you, so you do feel like that once you use it, you do a 30 second, 30 minute set, like that material is no longer touchable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also never going to be as good as it was then in the moment. So in that sense, it's a little different than something you may write, but I think of it um, like something Patton Oswalt said, where someone, I think someone stole a joke of his and started doing it and achieving some success. Uh, and they asked if he was like uh, threatened by it or, or how he felt about it. And he was like, guess what? I'm cool. Fine. He can have that joke because I know I'm going to be able to write more. And he's not because he had to steal that one to have any success. So like just being comfortable enough with your own creativity and your own drive to, to actually put in the work to write more is, is huge. 
Dude, I think that's really interesting because I've totally felt like that. Like there are funny things I want to put out there and I'm like, well, now is not the right time. I don't have a big enough audience. They're not going to laugh. I'll save it. But I think that like the more you put out, it expands your creativity. You mm-hmm. know, you mm-hmm. can get a reaction like, to, yeah, like, like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to say this joke now because then I can't use it on Letterman. Yeah, it's I like, know. No. Well, that's, that's a disguise for like an insecurity. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. It's a disguise for fucking insecurity. And it's like, no, dude, like today I was going through my notes, like trying to prep for things. And I was, I typed in something, I found something from 2018. And the only note that it said was uh, whiskey, ice cream, and cheese. And that was like a grocery list at 4.30 p.m. on a Wednesday. I was like, what the fuck was I doing two years ago in March on a Wednesday where I needed to go get, like, that's a crazy night. And I was like, do I save that? I was like, no, dude, just put on your Instagram story. And, you yeah. know, who fucking knows? Yep, yep. And, and enjoy those successes as they come and just know that, like, guess what? Whatever joke you write, it's not, like, you will have the ability to do more and do better. Like, like just trust yourself. Um, are you familiar with Gary Goleman at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, dude, you would love Gary Goleman. He's a he's a Boston guy, stand up. He, I first uh, knew him from Last Comic Standing when I was a kid, and I loved him then. Like I've had the the opportunity to do stand up on shows with him now, which is awesome. He's he's fantastic. He he did a um, he did a set on Conan that was like probably the best late night set I've ever seen. It was so weird, so bizarre. It was 100% Gary. And uh, he was talking on a podcast and he said that, uh, you know, he's, he's had battles with depression his whole life. And he got, he got to a point where after doing that set, he, his depression hit harder than ever before because he felt like he had done, he felt like he had peaked. He's like, there's no, he's like, I'm, I'm like people that I look up to and, and admire are telling me that this is the best work that I've ever seen. I'm never going to be able to do better. And like, that's like a funk that I, I can totally see myself getting into and, and just being able to like trust yourself and, and know that you'll be able to move past it and create something else down the line. Like Gary released an HBO special called the great depression, which was fantastic talking about his depression. And so like he used the, 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 one of the darkest times in his life to, to create something else beautiful further down the line. So like, I think, I think that being scared of, of using your best work now is, is irrational and, and getting past that is so big. Well, it's like, dude, the idea of success is scary, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was, I was procrastinating and I was like, you know, the second I sent that message out to you and a bunch of other people, I was like, oh man, it's getting real. I'm about to mm-hmm. do some real content. Yeah. Like you got to muster up the confidence and shit. So I can totally relate to that. And it's kind of cool. I, I think also that, you know, comedy or whatever art you form your is photography, comedy, drawing, like it's an Mm -hmm. expression of what is going through your head. Me doing this pod sports podcast. That's not even really a sports podcast anymore is like an expression of how I'm feeling inside. Like I stopped playing sports. I didn't have an outlet. So I needed to just talk about sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I can, I can tell the way you talk about comedy and stuff that you're very like, you study this shit and you take it very seriously and stuff. And like, I don't think I might've asked you this earlier, but what made you want to like, what made you want to start doing this in the first place? I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have, I have a photo of, uh, something I drew in first grade. It's like, when I grew up, I wanted to be, and I wrote a comedian and drew a little comedian. Uh, and so I was like, it was always something that I, I wanted to do. Like I, I, my favorite show in first grade was David Letterman. Like, makes no sense. Like, I guarantee I didn't understand what the hell was going on. But something about performing, like, receiving applause for saying things funny, like, making people laugh and have, like, an enjoyable time is, like, just something that I love doing. Um, like, the best thing, the best thing is after a stand-up show, talking with everyone afterwards, and them, like, just, like, clearly having fun. I'm like, oh, this... This is so like this. Yes, this is a noble pursuit. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, like it, I think it, it adds so much value. That's that's maybe it's not appreciated. Maybe it is, but just like you know, I, I think it's something that's totally worth pursuing. And and I can't say that about very much else that I do or people are encouraged to do. 
the just like that comedy and just any form of artistic expression i think man mm-hmm. like i I've taken those art classes like the drawing and the ceramics and shit like it's it like i said earlier it's changed the way i like view things and stuff like that and like my family is sort of like kind of all business nobody you know there are people who are funny but it, it was kind of weird for me to like step out and start doing something with this like public expression. It was very foreign to my family, so it felt mm-hmm. weird. But it is very rewarding, man. It's very rewarding when you when you finally release work. And I think that um, the feedback is so good from people. Sometimes yeah. I put podcasts out, and I will get like I don't know ten likes or only like say like in the less than ten views or something, mm-hmm. and nobody responds. I take positive criticism, negative criticism. Like I like the feedback because it makes you yeah. you know improve and shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, you know, you have to go through that to get yourself better. Like I've done stand up shows to an audience of three, like, and that sucks. Yeah. But like it, you know, it all helps, man. My girlfriend, I did an episode yesterday. My girlfriend, we were, she was, we were watching it back today and she started critiquing me and I had this feeling beforehand like, yo, I just fucking nailed it, man. That was so dope. <laughs> and she was like, bro, you're like talking over him the whole time. And I was like, oh. Oh, no it's not as dope yeah. as i think like yeah well, but dude, it's good I, I used to watch i used to watch sets of mine like like a week after doing them when i was like one or two years in and be like i nailed that that was so good like i'm ready for whatever the next level is and now i go back and watch and i'm like oh my god dude like you were that <laughs> happy with that performance like you just look at yourself and you're like oh man that's what i looked like that's what i that's how i presented myself oh man yeah I change that yeah yeah and oh the other thing i wanted to talk about the the other like big uh uh like quote that i got was from uh i don't know if you ever saw this video by uh, that ira glass put out um about doing good writing and doing good podcasting or whatever your creative field is it was the um your your taste and your skill doesn't always match up and when you, when you first start out, like you may not have the best taste in something. You also don't have the best skill, but you'll, you'll start to acquire skills and you'll think you're do you think you're doing well. Your, your skills will get a little bit better, but then your taste gets way better. And you start, re- you start realizing what you could be doing without having the skills to get there. And that's the time where a lot of people quit. Like you, you, you start seeing yourself fail. You start knowing why you're failing, but you don't know what to do to get there. And it's just putting yourself through that and, and getting to the other side where your skill catches up to your taste as much as you can. Um, I think that is huge. Well, yeah, sometimes you got to throw an audible in there and change up what you're doing. I wanted to like, I got into this from listening to the barstool part of my take with Dan Patrick and that's what I tried to do for so long. And I'm mm-hmm. sort of like, now I'm realizing maybe like, that's not, that's what my taste is, but my skill might be in something totally different. Maybe I do like, I talk to artists and musicians and do something else. And, but who knows, you know, you yeah. got to try different shit. So I can, I totally relate to that. But speaking to, you know, calling an audible and what you're doing. When I first started out doing stand up, I was doing like basically an Anthony Jessenick impression. Where like I look back now, I'm like, oh, that's like silly and ridiculous. I can't believe I did that. But like I was proud of the jokes I was writing, and like I, I still think that they have merit. But I got to a point where I was like, that's not like that's not you. Like I can't actually talk about anything real that way, and I want to switch things up uh, just because like I, I felt like my ceiling was capped because um, I'll like I'll never be able to do what Jesselnick does. Like he's perfected that style, um, and so I. I challenged myself and I was like, I need to do something to get me to write something like write cleaner comedy basically. And like write something that's real that people can identify with. So I was probably two years in, (laughs) I was probably two years into comedy and I wrote out to, I I sent an email to a pastor at my church and I was like, Hey, uh, what are your thoughts on me? headlining a comedy show for a benefit for the church and at this point i had zero content that was good enough or clean enough to be done at a church so i was like oh okay and 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 do the to do the exact opposite of everything i've done so far and challenge myself to do that and i and i put on a show where i did i technically did 45 minutes of comedy 
maybe 10 of that's usable now, but like just being able to put myself in that situation where like I have to do this thing now and, and change up everything I've ever done. It was such a, a huge experience for me. Um, did it so did it like hit was it a hit or? yeah yeah oh no they loved it oh, I, I i will say i will say i think church audiences are like the easiest ones that's so true because to, yeah they're supportive too like they also want you to succeed all the time which i do i genuinely think that all audiences want you to succeed no one goes to a show hoping it sucks well fucking assholes in new york definitely do that shit uh, yeah. i'll, I'll <laughs> well, be honest with you sure sure sure, sure. And, and people on the internet do for yeah. you know, your podcasts and videos but like i, I think ultimately the audience wants it to succeed, but like, especially in that environment. So it was as big of a risk it was, it was also safe in that respect. Um, but just that experience was, was huge for me. And now like I, I find myself trying to, you know, bounce back and forth between the two. It means you have to like change genres. You can't say yeah, the, the dirty time. sex dick blowjob jokes to those yep. people. And yep. like, yeah, like I can imagine that's probably easier to make those people laugh because even if you go a little bit close to the line, they're like, "Oh, oh he said that." <laughs> I went back. I went back and did a show at Tabor. Uh, I, I did a, um, a a full show. I had my my friend come in and open for me, and then I did like I don't know, like forty five minutes again there too. And it was so much fun because their perceived line of what's taboo is like so yeah. much like shorter than ours. So like anytime I even approached it, they were like, Ooh, and, and like, Oh, like I can't say it, but I can laugh when he says it. Yeah. Um, that like that was such a delight to play with um, bro i think the fact that you're doing like 45 minute like like stand that's so t impressive to me and i know you've been doing uh, this forever but it's, like it's like whew. oh no, no no like and i would say i'm still very early on um and like it's not it's not necessarily 45 minutes of straight stand up it's like it's like maybe 25 of stand up and then a couple songs and then i do like a bit with like impressions um just like trying to just run the gamut of everything I can do. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Great. You're welcome. Nice I'll catching up. I'll be in up. touch. You too. <laughs> Peace. See you, buddy.